Well, today, as we do once a year, as we celebrate Love Sunday, and for those of you that haven't been here for 13 years, as I have, I, I want to share just a little bit of the backstory behind why we do Love Sunday. I probably should remind everybody every year why we do it, but um, I'll be honest with you. I was an associate pastor in Elkhart, Indiana, and uh, Pastor Fisher said, oh, by the way, we have Love Sunday coming up. Okay, <laughs> when the world's that, <laughs> and so uh, so love Sundays. Oh, it's this where everybody stands up and you know gives a word of encouragement to somebody that's been a blessing to them, somebody that encouraged them, somebody that just you know uh, spoke love into their life or whatever. And we were like write love notes to one another, and I'm like, oh great, that sounds cheesy, stupid, dumb, and. Uh, I didn't think too much of it. I just kind of like, whatever. I got to deal with this because he's my boss. I'm only his associate. I got to do whatever he tells me to do. So we photocopy these love notes like we do here. And we have Love Sunday and everybody shares them and so forth. And then that first Love Sunday that I was a part of, my whole attitude changed. Two people that God used to change my attitude towards it was Steve Walker and Tommy Kinjemi. Tommy Kinjemi was about a little five foot zero Italian man and uh, had a lot of heart problems and even went on a mission trip to Mexico with us, forgot his heart medicine, and we're like, oh, goodness, is this guy going to survive the trip in this heat? And we were able to find medication in Mexico and everything else. But long story short is when we had our Love Sunday, we had our normal morning service like we do here today, something special. And then we had our carry-in dinner, and then we came back in for a time of testimonies. And as he gave the folks on the floor an opportunity to give testimony, Tommy Jemmy stood up and read his note from Steve Walker. And it basically said this, Tommy, um, I'm sorry, it is Steve, Steve, Steve read, read his note first, and he said, Tommy, I just want to thank you for coming to my Sunday school class every week. He was a Sunday school teacher. He was a deacon in the church. He said, Tommy, thank you for coming to my Sunday school. He said, every week there are times that I literally wanted to kill myself. I have contemplated suicide more times than you know. But thank you for coming because I know that you came wanting to learn the Word of God I couldn't do it. He says, you've saved my life and you don't even know it. And in the same vein, Tommy stands up next and, re- and, and reads his note. from, Or Steve read his note from, from Tommy. And it says, Tommy, Tommy says, I have felt li- literally miserable. I have wanted to kill myself so many times I just didn't have the guts to do it except for you encouraging me every week in science school class to keep going. Here's two guys that did not know each other were both contemplating suicide. And a word of encouragement from each other helped them make right choices and get back on track and encourage one another. I, I'm sitting there going, whoa, what just happened here? you got two guys who, completely unknown to the other, were about ready to kill themselves. And they both encourage each other to stay the path. 
to do what was right, to learn God's Word, and to walk with Him. Sometimes we don't understand the power of a word of encouragement. Sometimes we walk into church and we say, well, it's just another week. I don't know what goes on in all your homes. I can't be there. don't need to be there. But the reality is, I don't know what goes on in your homes. I don't know the frustrations, the difficulties, the struggles, the trials. I know that many of you have gone through harsh relationship breakups. I know that some of you have gone through harsh financial situations. I know that some of you have gone through health, harsh physical, mental sickness issues. But I know the one who does know is Jesus. And I know that when I'm going through something and someone gives me a word of encouragement, it's like, thank you, Lord, someone cares. And I think there's a value in writing a note of encouragement to someone. You never know how it will change their life, right? And so it's not just a formality. It's something that we can do to encourage somebody and to give them some hope through their difficult days. I want to just share just a brief passage from 1 John chapter 4, beginning of verse 10. It says, actually verse 9, let me read it. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and He who abides in love abides in God and God in Him. I just want to bring out a couple points. First of all, verse 10 says, herein. In other words, this. What I'm just talking about, this right now, in this moment, this is love. And he says, not that we loved him, but that he loved us. You know the verse, John 3.16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he what gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We didn't have to earn it. You have to work for it. You can't. He gave it as a gift to us. Of course, in Romans 5.8, God demonstrated His love in this way, in that while we were still or yet sinners, He died for us. He didn't say, go clean your life up and then I'll give you a, of heaven. Go take care of all your sin problems and then maybe I'll save you. If it was about that, he, we, none of us would be saved. None of us could spend eternity in heaven. He freely gave despite our sinfulness. And He gives us his, of His mercy and of His grace and His long-suffering. I don't know about you, but one of the greatest attributes of God are in this line of His daily mercies, His grace. You know what long-suffering is? In other words, we know that there are things that, that, that we should be condemned for, that we should be judged for, that we should be punished for. And yet God is patient in allowing us to understand so that we can make it right. He's long-suffering. And then, of course, His forgiveness. And he says, if you will confess your sins, I am faithful and just to what? Forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's such a gracious God. He loves us so much. And he doesn't just stop there. You know, in, in 1 John chapter 2, it says, 
He himself was a propitiation. He didn't just sit there as the king of the universe and say, hey, so-and-so, do this. He sent his only son, his greatest gift. We've talked about this before, but what is the most nearest and dearest thing to your heart? It's usually your children. It's usually the ones that we invest in most, that we have the most emotional and physical and financial and input and, and, and weight into is our kids. And God had one son, and he offered him to be the propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation means that the sin debt was satisfied. It was appeased. Someone said it. I don't know who, but we had a sin debt. He had a sin debt he didn't know because we had a sin debt we couldn't pay. So he took care of it. We didn't have to work for it. He did it. So he says, beloved, the esteemed family of God, beloved, esteemed, dear ones, worthy ones, If or since God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. And of course, Matthew uh, 22 talks about that, verses 37 through 39. We're to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Question, do you do that? I'm not saying I'm perfect because if I point the finger at you, i got at least a solid three coming back. That's something we've got to work on daily is is not just saying we love God because words without actions are just nothing, right? You know? Said before, hey, take out the trash. I'll get to it. Clean your room. I'll get to it. Hey, wash the dishes. I'll get to it. And as my dad used to say to me as a kid growing up, don't tell me, show me. Words speak louder. I mean, actions speak louder than words. And we have to deal with making sure that what we say lines up with how we live. So he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, did you really have to add that one? My neighbor's a jerk. Yeah, you need to add that one. Because he did. He died for the sins of the world, not just the nice people, not just the ones that are fun to be around. In fact, he says in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 43 and 44, even your enemies. The world say, well, hate your enemies. You don't need to spend time with them. You don't need to invest in them. They're, they're enemies. No, he says, even your enemies. He says, I say, love your enemies. Isn't that hard to do? God never said life would be easy. He didn't say just love the ones that are lovely. Love the ones that are nice to you. Love the ones that you agree with. Oh my goodness, that just would seal it right there. Because there's so many people. I, I mean, I... agree with myself. And uh, I, I got to make sure that when I claim the name of Jesus that I live it out. Right? I don't want to just be in word. I just want to just say, well, he's the pastor, so whatever. I want to be a reflection of Jesus in this. I want to show others what it means to know him. And then he says in verse 12, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in him and his love has been perfected in, the, in us. You know, bottom line, he says, our love is proof or the reality of God in us. Our life is the proof of what we say by how we live it out. He said his spirit lives within us. It's being uh, perfected or matured as we submit. In fact, God's word tells us in John chapter 13, verse 35, by this, what? Our love 
By this will all men know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. Do those around us know that we love them and the reason why we love him? We want to be a picture of God's love in us. And what's the key? Verses 14 and 15. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. It's a relationship of abiding with him. Allowing him to be perfected in us. And as we are a reflection of him in our daily life. It's important that we show this love to a dying world. But how much more in the body of Christ? I've said before and I'll say it again. I, am, I will fight for unity in this church. I hear horror stories. A couple of years ago, I told you a story of my friend's church in Indiana. I'm, I'm sorry, in Minnesota, where he had a fist fight in the parking lot. By God's grace, we've never had it. And by God's grace, we never will. God loves unity. He loves harmony. Doesn't mean we're all going to see. I mean, if y'all want to be really unified, you'd all think Chevys were the best, but you don't. It's okay. We can we can still have harmony, even though you know, it's okay. But you know, when it comes to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working within us, He loves unity. He loves harmony, and I'll fight for that. In the world, there's turmoil. In the world, there's frustrations. In the world, you have to deal with all the junk and the politics, and the wars, and the inflation, and, and all these things that distract. But as we come into the house of God, we ought to be able to encourage one another and lift each other up. I'll fight for that. Someone causes a problem, we're going to have a conversation. Because I will fight for God's Spirit to be present here. I want that. And then he says in verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. What is the key? That there is love. If you can come to church week after week and be rude and unkind and uncaring, how rests the love of God in you? If you can ignore those around you, even your neighbors in your neighborhood, even those who you are close to, your relatives, your family, your friends, your coworkers, if you can ignore their problems and not display the love of God, how is the love of God in you? It's so easy to be judgmental and critical. Well, they're in that position because they made poor choices. Yeah, most things are true that way. But does that exempt you from showing God's love? It doesn't. Man, I wish I had learned this 20 years ago. I can only love those that I agree with, really. Because there's a lot of people I totally disagree with and probably disagree with me that I love and they love me. Because I want to be a picture of Jesus. And if you're not a picture of Jesus, you'll never win them to Jesus. I'm amazed by how easy it is to shut people out that are not just like us. Man, I wish I would have learned that earlier. You know what love is? I've said it for years. Love is a decision that results in action, expects nothing in return. As I shared with some guys I was witnessing to the other day, I said, I love my wife. He said, he goes, are you a newlywed? I'm like, no. I said, this August will be 30 years for us. He said, I love her. 
I said, I serve her, she serves me, as I said a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, love is a decision. I've made a decision. No other woman is going to have any focus in my life because I have chosen to put my love and affection in one person and one person only when it comes to that relationship. I love her. It's a decision that results in action. If I said to my wife, I love you, but then when she goes, hey, will you make this? No, I don't have time for that. Hey, can you stop by the store and pick up one of these? No, I don't have time for that. Hey, can you take care of the kids'? No, no, I don't have time for that. If I said I love you but never acted upon that love, do you think it would be a convincing thing to her that I love her? What happens after repeatedly saying no, repeatedly ignoring, repeatedly of not helping, repeatedly? Is that relationship going to be good? No. But because it's a decision, it results in action. And expects nothing in return. I don't do those things because she may do something back for me. I don't do it because, oh, if I don't wash the clothes tomorrow for her while she's gone, she's not going to make dinner for me, so I better get on those clothes. (laughs) I don't do what I do because she may do something back to me. I do it because it's right to do. Whether she does or not, I take care of my kids because it's the right thing to do whether they obey or not. They still need to be fed. They still need to be clothed, right? We do what we do because it's the right thing to do, despite how they may or may not respond. Now, when they respond right, does it make it easier? Sure. And when they don't, does you're a little bit irritated? First one to raise my hand. But the reality is you do what's right because it's right to do based on God's word. So love is a decision. It results in action. Expects nothing in return. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to do something for it. It ceases to be a gift. That love then takes on a different role. I've said for years, compassion without action is just empathy. If you can look around and see needs around you and not deal with it, say, well, I have compassion on these people. They're so poor. Oh, I have compassion on these people. They've gone through so much. I have compassion on these people because, no, you don't. Compassion without action is just empathy. And empathy doesn't change anything, unfortunately. Do you understand that? Empathy doesn't do a whole lot. Empathy isn't going to pay the bills. Empathy is not going to help someone heal from hurt. Compassion will. We need to be people who truly show God's love. Herein, not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Be a picture of Jesus. I hope Love Sunday is just that for us, an opportunity to be reminded of God's love towards us and how we have to also love one another. And uh, you know, in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to go out and fellowship together and eat together. And, but I hope that we can just for a moment, if someone has been a blessing to you, if someone has encouraged you, if someone has helped you in a time of need, thank them. But thank God for them too, right? Because we'd be lost without each other. Some people have ideas. I preached through it last year. Was that Hebrews ten ten twenty five says, "Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together." You know that you can come to church every single Sunday and still be forsaking the assembling. People have the idea that well, it just means you're not supposed to skip church. No, there's much more to it. As I said, when I started studying that out, God really spoke to me that we can be at church and still forsake the assembling. 
we're to invest in and be involved in the hearts of those around us in the, in the fellowship of the body of Christ. And if we can come week after week and not be a part of that, well, we've got some work to do in our own hearts. But let's love on each other today and every day. Let's let God's love be seen in and through us as we worship and fellowship together. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings. And Lord, I just thank you for just this fun day that we can have to worship you. And then, Lord, to to have Jim with us and to just uh, be challenged even, Lord, through music, a different variety of music, Lord. But Lord, we're so thankful for, for what you've done, for how you've worked in our hearts and our lives, how you draw us to yourself, Lord, even when we're so unworthy, so undeserving. Your grace, your mercy just still is there every day and throughout the day. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if there be one here today, Lord, that does not know you as your Savior, might today be a day of salvation for them. And, Lord, you told us in 1 Corinthians 6 that today is a day of salvation. So, Lord, I pray that there be one, Lord, that does not know you. May today you draw them to yourself. May they know your love firsthand. And I pray, God, that you'd work in our hearts. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just a simple opportunity to respond as we do every week. Just ask for a moment that no one be looking around and say, Pastor, I, I'm challenged by this. Maybe it's because you don't know Jesus. Maybe because you've never taken a moment to truly repent and ask Jesus to be your Savior and put your faith and trust in him. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God's doing in your life. I don't know what you know, what you don't know. But the opportunity is there to know him. You say, Pastor Ken, I'd love to know him. I'm not sure that I do. But would you pray for me? I'm not embarrassed you and i call you out. But just simply catch my eye so I can pray for you. Raise your hand so I can pray for you. And I just would love to do nothing more than that. Just to pray and say, Lord, work in their hearts. Anyone like that here this morning? Okay. The second question then is this. Are you reflecting the love of God in your life to those around you? You and God know that answer. So, well, I'm at church. It doesn't matter if you're at church. Well, I'm a nice person. It doesn't matter if you're a nice person. I'm saying, are you reflecting the love of God in your day-to-day life? Do people see a reflection of Jesus in you? Say, Pastor, if I'm honest with myself this morning, those things need to improve. Those things need to get better. I need to start doing that. Would you pray for me? I like that this morning. Yes. 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 Can I just challenge you right there where you're at? Just say, Lord, work in and through me. Help me be a reflection of Jesus. You might be the only picture of Jesus some people see. So let's reflect him well. Let's all stand to our feet. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for how you work in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for how you use music to encourage and edify. Uh, Lord, I thank you for how you were exalted with that. Lord, I just pray for these who've lifted their hands and hearts toward you, Lord, that you would allow them to be a reflection of Jesus in their day-to-day living, that you would be glorified. Because, Lord, once again, you said, if I be glorified, I'll draw all men to myself. Lord, may we portray you well in our day-to-day living. Help us where we fail. Give us confidence and boldness, Lord, where we are weak and frail. I pray, God, that you would be glorified in our life for you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name.